Welcome to the clan! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is a strategic advantage. It's intentional. It's the power to make stuff happen because you have a track record, because you have results, because you have a reputation, not because we have to believe in you. You've already proven that you can do what it is that you're trying to do. That's what it's going to take to have success in the new music industry is leverage. And that's why we called this show The Climb, C-L-I-M-B, Creating Leverage in the Music Business. And the word man that came up with that is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And Brent helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then he, on the regular, connects you with opportunities to get in front of the pros so you can make relationships and get your foot in the door. You can find Brent super easy at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They help you find your sound and they help you grow your audience. And Daredevil has created over 25 national TV opportunities for their indie artists by making them discoverable. They've also created multiple tour opportunities and through the power of digital marketing data, data, data. They've attracted a number of investors for their artists and investors like the numbers because the numbers don't lie because numbers can't talk. And you can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That's production singular with no S and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. What's up, brother? (laughs) How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Ready for this coffee to kick in a little bit more, but good. Well, we got a lot of stuff to cover, so let's get right to it. What, what, right. what we're going to jump into today is your beliefs. When was the my last? Briefs. You're going to yeah. jump into my briefs? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no beliefs. There's an oh, L in there. Beliefs. Yeah. Beliefs. Okay, thank you. I'm your beliefs. I'm a little. I'm a little uh, whacked out of my mind right now on this cold medication that I have. So I could have said briefs. I don't know, but if I misspeak during no, this you podcast, didn't. I was just messing with you. Forgive me. But when was the last time you examined your beliefs? I'm just going to drop this bomb, and then we'll take care of a little business. But most people get all their beliefs the majority of their beliefs from the time they're ages one through seven and hardly anybody goes back to re-examine some of those beliefs to find out if they're still applicable, if they're still serving them, right? Mm-hmm. They, they might've been a, a really good thing to believe when you were five and now it could be totally different that you're an adult. That's what we're going to hit. But before we get to that, let's take care of a little business. The Climb Podcast is proud to partner with disc makers who've been supporting indie musicians before indie music was even a thing. And when you're ready to make CDs, DVDs, vinyl records, or distribute your music and videos and other cool content with those customized USBs, go to discmakers.com. D-I-S-C makers.com is the only place you need to go. And while you're there, click on the Guides and Resources tab and download some of their excellent free guides. They've just revised and expanded their Home Studio Handbook, which has a ton of great advice and information for newbies and for studio veterans. You can find them online, again, at www.discmakers.com or give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. Yes, and let's, <laughs> there's a little jingle there. Let's get right to Join the Climb community. If you haven't done it, search for it on Facebook Ask to be let in. We let everybody in. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Just be good boys and girls. Because we don't keep everybody in. Subscribe to the, yes, right. Subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> if you haven't done it, wherever you consume podcasts, that way they all come in and they're in order and you can consume them at will. 
Take 30 seconds, leave a five-star rating and review. It would mean the world to us and shows other people that we're legit. And then finally, share it. If there's an episode that's really speaking to you, post it on your social media. Tell a friend about it. If it's helping you, it can help them. And Brent and I just really want to thank everybody for taking the time that they take twice a week to, to tune into this podcast and, and listen to it, man. It means the world. I mean, we're doing this for you guys and the numbers keep growing and mm-hmm. we're just real grateful and real happy that we're making a difference. So thank you so much for spending the time. Yes, thank you. I mean, we have just recently, a couple of weeks ago, surpassed 200,000 downloads, which I don't guess we talked about on the air yet, but over 200,000 downloads and I do not have that many relatives. So yeah. that is you guys finding value in what we're doing and we appreciate it. That's pretty cool to see those numbers racking up because you guys are listening. So yeah, and the second, the second hundred thousand took about like 30% of the first hundred thousand, which was exciting. So yeah, mm-hmm. it took, it's, uh, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's just speeding up. So thank y'all. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So let's dig into this. we got a lot to cover today. Just spoiler alert. We're going to dig down a little bit. We're going to push on some bruises. We're going to. Mm. Scratch off a scab or two, maybe. We're going to go deep on this. So be advised. Be advised. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about beliefs because straight up, I am up to my eyeballs right now in so many different programs, coaching programs, right? We talked before I did the Rick Mulready thing, which is Mm -hmm. completely already paid for itself and set us on a direction that's super profitable in our company. We're excited about that. Mm -hmm. And that's for Facebook advertising. So you're right upgrading your skills in that area and investing in your skills and it's already paid off. Yeah. 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 And it was not a, it wasn't a few hundred bucks, right? It was <laughs> thousands. And then I just did a, a Tony Robbins thing and I got like a VIP thing to this millionaire mind thing. And then I did this other thing with another coach that's uh, more about online businesses. And you know what? There's a common theme with every single one of these. It's beliefs. Mm-hmm. The first thing everybody's got to deal with before you get into doing this or that, or that, whatever it is you want to do, mm-hmm. then you got to get out of your own way. And beliefs very often are the things that are holding us back. And as I mentioned before, you get most of your beliefs from the ages of one to seven years old. And most people fail as adults to go back and re-examine them to see if they still apply, if they're still valuable, if they're still relevant. And some of the beliefs, I mean, it could be benign stuff. I'll give you a real good example. So there's a story of the Easter ham. There's a mom mm-hmm. and her little daughter are cooking Easter dinner together and mom gets the ham out and she cuts the end of the ham off and throws it in the garbage and puts the ham in the oven. And the daughter mm-hmm. asks the mom, why'd you do that? And she's like, you know what? I don't know. I, my mom always did that. So I did it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and by the way, when, while we're getting into this story, I mean, this is the thing, like your beliefs aren't even yours. They're somebody else's that was yeah. given to you by your parents and they were, they're not theirs. They were given to them by their parents and so on and so on and so on. So a lot of this stuff gets carried down and without re-examination, it, it can be catastrophic for our lives as artists, as songwriters, as human beings in relationships and stuff. So, so the mom and the daughter call grandma and mm-hmm. like, hey, grandma, we're cooking Easter dinner. Mom cut the end off of the ham. She said, you always used to do that. Why'd you do that? She said, I don't know. My mom always did it. Luckily, great grandma's still around, right? So let's mm-hmm. call her. So they get on a conference call and the little girl asks great grandma, hey, great grandma, I'm curious, like we're cooking Easter dinner and mom cut the end off the ham. And she said she did it because her mom did it. And then grandma said she did it because you did it. Why'd you do it? And she goes, oh, that's easy because the pan I had was too short. So I had to do it to make it fit. 
right? So it was what? a pragmatic, practical thing yeah. to do. And they just always did it because that's how they learned it, mm-hmm. right? And that was their belief that this is what you've got to do. And then all of a sudden now it's like, oh, it was just because the pan was too short. The particular pan she had, she was just making, making it work. When I was a kid for a long time, I thought pork and beans was false advertising because you got the can of pork and beans, showboat or whoever, and mm-hmm. there was never any pork in it. And it's just right. bean. And one day I asked mama, mama, why do they call it pork and beans? There's no pork in it. And she just started laughing. I'm like, what? She goes, well, there's that one piece of bacon fat in there. Basically all it is. And I open the can and I get it because I'm making dinner. So I always eat it before you see it. And so <laughs> that, that one piece of so-called pork, which is basically just fat, and that would be my mom's little treat for herself. Pop that in her mouth, you know, when she when she's making dinner. So I never saw the pork. And so it's still like uh, a running joke in our family. It's like I would, you know, if I hadn't asked her about it to this day, I'd be like, no pork and pork and beans, which barely is. But I would know about that one little That's Cuba, so funny. Cuba yeah, pig. So this is the power of beliefs, right? And so here's mm-hmm. the deal. Beliefs come first, then reality. If you change your beliefs, you change your reality. I talked about before the book by Napoleon Hill called Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. which he started writing in 1908. And I think it came out maybe in 1937. Don't quote me on that. But um, it's been around for a long, 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 long time. Mm-hmm. And the first chapter in that book, Thoughts Are Things. Mm-hmm. And he talks about, you know, two guys sitting on the corner, on the side of the, whatever river the Brooklyn Bridge goes across. I think it's the Hudson, but don't quote me on that if you're from New York and I'm screwing this up geographically. Yeah. I meant to look that up before the podcast, but I didn't. So it's but going over said, the Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. And they're just saying, you know what? Like we, we should build a bridge from there to there and make getting back and forth to Brooklyn a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And it's the long, at that time, it was the longest bridge ever built. And the first bridge that was so long that they had to mathematically account for the curvature of the earth to make it work. <laughs> but they had to believe that they could do it first. Mm-hmm. And then they did it. Right. You know, if you feel like making a living as a songwriter, is just an insider's game and you're out crowd. That's true. Mm-hmm. You're out crowd right now, right? So how are you going to get to be in crowd? How are you going to start to develop some of those relationships that can make you in crowd? You've got to believe that you can, but don't use that as an, an excuse to to fail right. or to not do it. Was it Tom Edison or Henry Ford? One of those guys said, "Whether you believe or whether you can, or whether you believe you can't, you're right." Yeah, yeah, it was Ford, and he he Ford. said that a man who believes he can and a man who believes he can't, and both men are right. Mm-hmm. Again, belief, right? That's the key word in there. Mm-hmm. Belief. So I'm going to really rack your. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle your chain right now. Okay. What do they call Missouri? Show me state. Show me state. I see this all the time with artists that I'm talking about when we're doing consultations. I see it with songwriters because we do lots of song demos for, for songwriters that are amateurs mm-hmm. trying to get in the game and, and trying to do it. They're from the show me state, essentially. Mm-hmm. They're saying, you know what? Until I see proof that I have value or that proof of validation of my work as an artist I'm not going to invest any more time, any more money, any more love, any more emotion, right? They sort of think about it like a lemonade stand. If you've heard us use that term before on the podcast, that's what I mean. You go out and you buy a bunch of lemons, you mix it up with some sugar and some water and you sell it and you right then and there, you make the money back on the money, uh, on the effort you spent getting the lemons and the sugar and the water plus a profit. But that's not the way it works in the music industry. You've got to have a brand. There's got to be a bunch of people that are kind of onto you that are, that are really digging what you have to say. So even if you've got that one killer song, it's not going to be enough for you. Mm-hmm. And so if you're only relying on the validation that you've already gotten and that's what you're going to need to go forward, you're doomed statistically. There might be, if you, if you do make it and get the kind of success that you want, it's going to be like a one in a million kind of a thing. You're going to be the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. We live 
simultaneously in four different worlds, four different states, all at the same time. And I'll tell you what, I want you guys to do this exercise either in your head or if you're not driving or something, do it on a piece of paper. But just draw a line down and a line across so there's like four, four little boxes. Four little quadrants, yeah. Four little quadrants, okay? On the upper left quadrant, write the word mental. That's the first state that we live in. Mm-hmm. Below mental in the lower left quadrant, write spiritual. On the upper right-hand quadrant, write emotional. And on the lower right-hand quadrant, write physical. So mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical. Brent, of those four states, of those four different worlds, which one can you see? I can see the physical. That's it, right? Mm -hmm. And a physical is a footprint of those other three states, of what you're doing mentally, spiritually, and emotionally manifests itself in the form of the physical. So if all you're doing is saying, I need to see to believe, then... You see how you've already stopped the whole process of manifestation? Mm-hmm. You're not going to write that song. You're not going to get that cooler co-write. You're not going to get that better gig and get on tour and make a living making music if you're going to be an artist because you're cutting yourself off because you want the results first before you put in the mental energy to manifest the results. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, 75% of results is unseen mental, emotional, and spiritual work. Mm-hmm. And then there's the physical work. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think those things definitely affect the physical work. We were talking about this before we hit record. And so I pull out this book that's actually on the bookshelf right behind me that I've been kind of going back through. It's one I read a few years ago. And it's by John Maxwell. It's called Beyond Talent. So become someone who gets extraordinary results. And I've just been kind of going back through it and pulling out, relooking stuff I highlighted and that sort of thing. And, and just kind of went through the, the chapter about beliefs. And it's interesting, he talks about, Belief determines expectations. If mm-hmm. I believe that I'm going to be shut out because I'm a female writer or because I'm just not one of the, the good old boys or whatever, that is going to determine your expectation, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that women are shut out. So therefore, my expectation is that people are going to shut me out. And your expectations determine your actions. So therefore, maybe I want to approach the big boys or whatever. And actions determine results. So belief determines expe- expectations. Expectations determine actions and actions determine results. Yes. Yes. It all goes back to belief. Like I have a buddy that, I mean, if you believe you won't make it, then your expectation is, well, they're going to pass on my song. They're going to, I'm not going to get a meeting. I'm going to fail. And your expectation determines your actions. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to try as hard. In other words, I'm going to get just enough evidence. I'm going to wait for someone to tell me no, which is what I expected. And Mm -hmm. then, then I'm going to move on instead of keep knocking on that door. Knock once. Somebody's going to say, not here. You're not welcome here. And then I'm going to go on because and now you're that's what I expected to happen. I was yeah. right. I proved myself yeah. right. And then that action of walking away determines, you know, of quitting determines your result, which is you don't make it. So you think you can't and you're right. Yeah. Versus the person that believes they can and goes, this is going to take a lot of knocking on doors. This is going to take a lot of failure along the way, but I'm going to make it. Yeah. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. So mm-hmm. my expectation is there's going to be ups and downs. Okay. Yeah. This is part of it. And then you, you go through it and then you're like, all right, well, it's not the end of the world. Somebody told me, no, it's part of it. All right. Next person, knock on the next door. No, that's part of it. Knock. And eventually you push through where the other person quit because you haven't validated your belief yet and your expectation, which is I'm going to get a lot of no's, but then I'm going to get a yes. You, keep going, right. you get that yes. 
And your expectation determines your actions, which is I'm going to keep going, keep going. And then your actions determine your results, which is eventually somebody says yes. Exactly. So person that thinks they can, they're right too. Well, let's go a little deeper down that road for a second. So I want to ask everybody listening to my voice right now on this podcast. Do you feel like if you strive for success as an artist or a songwriter and you don't succeed, that you'll feel foolish, that you'll feel like a failure? I'm going to ask the question one more time. Do you feel like if you really strive for success as an artist or as a songwriter and you don't succeed, that you'll look like a failure, that you'll be a failure? I had a buddy tell me one time in a moment of candor that he had moved to Nashville to do the artist thing and the writing, really the artist thing. Just didn't, wasn't busting his tail, taking advantage of, had gears he wasn't using. Mm-hmm. And one time he told me, he goes, you know, I think part of it is if I never really try, I never really fail. Yeah. Well, and so- it's a protection so, racket, right? It's a protection racket. And there's a bunch of people that feel that way, but I want to, here's what I, here's the part I want to drive home. And that goes, the place right into the hand that I wanted to deal here is failure is what other people think of you. Mm-hmm. If you could fail and you would be the only one that knew it, and nobody else on the earth would ever know, you wouldn't care. Well, one's there's failing, and then there's being a failure, right? Failing is like an action or result. A failure is, is who you are, right? Those are two different things. You can fail without being a failure. You can't right? be successful without failing. Exactly. You have to do that first. And, and so, yeah, I mean, that's my point. What are we really afraid of? Is it really failure? Or are we afraid of other people dis- being disappointed in us and what they're going to say and how they're going to feel about us? Mm-hmm. Because again, back to beliefs. If you want to be a songwriter or an artist, that's okay, but you better have a backup plan mm-hmm. because hardly anybody does that. Or if uh, maybe you just have a nasty parent or something who's just like, <laughs> you're no good, you know, and you keep yeah. telling that. And so we start to believe that. So we choose not to take a risk and try to succeed at something because it could end in a failure, even though maybe that failure is like one out of 2000 ways you figured out not to make a light bulb. Right. And then you're like, okay, now I figured it out. Now I know what I want to do, but you've got to be able to autonomously believe in yourself and move through that and not have that outside influence make a difference. I was thinking about this this morning and I, this is a correlation. It really is. Let's talk about addiction for a second. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of addiction, right? Alcohol, drugs, porn, Mm -hmm. codependency, sex addiction. Are you thinking about the disappointment? When you do that, are you thinking about what other people think, think like about when you? you participate in the addiction? Yeah. When you, when you participate in the addiction, you're just doing it because whatever reason you feel like you need it, mm-hmm. but it almost has to be like that kind of a thing. Only this is a positive, constructive kind of okay, addiction. I was wondering where you're going with this. I'm like, yeah. I thought usually the addiction thing is what we don't want to do. Honestly, I think that's a common trait that I see with artists is that they're just so obsessed with moving forward so that they can make a living as an artist. The ones that are successful, the mm-hmm. songwriters, like they just are always thinking about it. They're always, the antennas are always up. They're just so immersed in the process of it. It's like an addiction, but this way it's a good addiction. And a good right? one. Okay. Yeah. If, if you're obsessed with your family, that's a good thing. You're taking good care of them. You're mm-hmm. spending time with them. You're doing the things you need to be doing. But my point is where it's similar is that maybe we feel ashamed about the addiction that we have, but yet you still you still do it yeah, on the not, bad one. I gotcha. Why not the good one? Yeah. Why not just say like, like they don't understand, but I believe in myself. So I'm going to figure this out and I'm mm-hmm. going to do it. Like we can't let them get in our way. Yeah. That's the part that I wanted to hit on. So next is what's your belief about money and success? Because 
when we go down this road right here, which we're about to go down, you can exchange the idea that you have in your head and in your heart right now of money with artistic success, whether it's artistic success of you as an artist making a living, making music, or artistic success as you as a songwriter and you're making a living writing songs for other artists. Okay. Those, I believe those are going to be interchangeable because what it is, is like success. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. And so many people that have your belief system, again, from the time that you're one to seven years old Mm -hmm. was given to you by whoever raised you. And Mm -hmm. that was given to them by whoever raised them, which was given to them by whoever raised them. Right. And if you don't re-examine that and go deep down and say, you know what? I need to think about this. Like, is this, this is what I believe. Does it still serve me? Mm -hmm. This is just what I do out of a belief, right? It's almost like I have it. So it was like autopilot. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you and I were talking about some of this before we press record, Brent, but money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. Money is the root of all evil. If you have a lot of money or a lot of success, you're greedy. Yeah. And that means you must have stepped on somebody and done something shady. Yeah. You yeah. got it by taking, extracting value. Yeah. People. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the one that hit me the hardest when I was going through these exercises here was I realized that how blessed I am. I, I had a father who's an entrepreneur. He owned a corporation, a small corporation, where the most employees ever had like 45 people or something, maybe. maybe. 35, mm-hmm. 45 people. There was times when there was like eight or 12. I remember mm-hmm. those times too. But he was the entrepreneur. So he was always thinking positive. Here's how you make the money work for you. Don't work for your money. Like I got a lot of really good stuff about money. Yeah. I mean, rich dad, poor dad kind of thing. Yeah. Have you ever read that Robert Kiyosaki book, Rich Dad, Poor yes. Dad? Yeah. yeah. And I'm in a room with a bunch of people that had poor dads. Yeah. And the speaker came from a family had a poor dad and they're talking about the beliefs that were handed down to them and how that got in their way. Biggest misconception. I think that in this goes in the artistic community and the music world for sure is you have a bad association with money and time. Mm-hmm. You think that you get paid for your time, which is easy to go there. If all time you ever had, time yeah. is money. And if you've just been an employee your whole life, Mm-hmm. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Right. Working that job. Then how would you think about any other way? That's that's physically what's manifesting itself in your life. Mm -hmm. And so in order for you to make more money, you need what? More time. More time. Right. I don't have time to make more money. The money that I need to do that song demo so I can take a shot at being a songwriter. The money that I need to to record and and market my music. I'm going to need two or three jobs to do that. And I've got a family and I've got this and I've got that. And it's like you don't get paid for time. Right. You get paid for value. Mm-hmm. The people who bring more value get paid more money. And again, I find myself in a very lucky position of really understanding this because well, most of my life, I've been a commissioned sales guy. Mm-hmm. So you get paid off value. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, one month I might have 5,000 bucks and the next month I might make 20. Mm-hmm. Because I, I had a good month. I provided more value to the company. I got paid more money. That, that manifested itself in reality for me. And yeah. I see the more value I have. So I think about it differently, right? You weren't thinking about, okay, well, I just got to clock in, put in these hours. Yeah. It didn't matter how many hours you worked. It mattered how much value how you brought. Yeah. Uh, there's a story from Jordan Harbinger. He's the host of the Jordan Harbinger Show. It's a podcast. And used to be on the Art of Charm and stuff. But I've heard him tell the story before where he started off as at, he went to law school. So he was at this law firm. He's you know just starting out. And, and there's one of the partners that was like never there. And lawyers are, I mean, bill by the hour. They keep their time sheets and all this stuff, bill by the hour, time, yeah. money, right? This guy was never in, but he was a partner. He's just rolling it. And finally, you know, he, he tracked the guy down and was like, why are you never in the office, but you're making all this? He's like, I'm the guy that brings in the deals. Yeah. Like he's the rainmaker. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that brings in the clients. So he's always on the golf course. Yep. He's like, exactly. and that's when he started going, oh, it's not about the time I put in. It's about the value. That guy wasn't putting in all the time. Or if he was, it was on the golf course instead of at the desk. But he brought tremendous value. So he was a partner. He did it a different way. He looked at the value, not the time. Someone, I think it was in the songwriting pro community, might have been in the client community, posted a thing about songwriters deserve to be paid for their hard work and creativity. Contact your legislator kind of thing. Kind of yeah. an anti-Spotify and those people that are legit screwing us over, right? Because the laws right. haven't caught up yet. So they're taking our stuff and paying us what they feel like it. It's not a right. fair market. So I get where he's going with it and I appreciate that and I agree and I have contacted people and support the, that stuff. But just the the way it was said, I was like, I posted it and I was like, you know, just a, with a wink. It's like, nah, I don't expect to be paid for my hard work and creativity. I expect to get paid for my songs that generate income. Yes, I saw, yeah, <laughs> and that's and that's a different mindset, right? And now you know this guy, bless his heart. I I agree with them, right? We deserve to get compensated for our results. Like if you yeah. get a song cut and it's out there generating money for Spotify, I deserve to be able to have a seat yeah. at the table. You created and it. I created it, but my creativity and and hard work, yeah, doesn't matter because that's not what generates the value. The value is in the song and and what it once it's out in the marketplace and people are enjoying it and that's bringing value and that kind of stuff. So. That was a little cue on my mindset going, okay, this is kind of a little bit of a mindset check. Now, I don't expect yeah. to get paid for my hard work. I expect to be paid for my results. My songs that 
or generating income and entertaining fans and selling records and selling concert tickets. Yeah, it's generating something. So mm-hmm. I, I expect to be paid on the output, not the input. Yeah. And that will change your mindset on how you look at it as a writer. Like, I'm working hard versus, okay, well, I need to do the right things that are going to generate the, the real end result, which is economic activity. That's what I expect to get paid on, not just because I'm working hard. Who gives a rip how hard you work? It's the results. Yeah. That's right. You know, That's you might right. keep that one guy on the on the team because he's all heart. He's Rudy because yeah. no one's going to outwork him. So he sets a good example. The coach can always point to him. Look at that guy. He's half your size. He's twice as slow, but he's out here busting his butt every day. So there's value in that. You bring the value of it. Well, okay, of so example, but yes, go, go hold on. Go down just okay. right there. That was the point that I want to bring up. We've talked before on the podcast about there's there's some people in this town. There's songwriter hit songwriters in this town. Mm. who are usually part of a three-way white and the other two writers come out and they're like, I've, like, I don't think he ever writes or she ever writes anything. Mm, yeah. But they're so, their energy is just so infectious and so good. Like they're there providing like value the oh, way the Rudy is. On and the vibe and the... Yeah. So they found out a different way to bring value in and their mm. name is on that song. And yeah. while they can sit there and tell you, I don't know what they write in the same breath, they'll be like, but I don't want to write without them. Or without her. Yeah. I've I mean, heard those stories. I've not been in the room with those people. I know one. I know. One. I haven't been in, I mean, I've been in a writing room with them. I'm not trying to do the professional writing thing, but I know, I know, I know one person exactly like that. And it's, I'm, I'm curious. We'll talk later, but yeah, it's like, and that's, and that's a value. If you're the one that keeps the, the forward momentum and you're cheering people on to help them feel good about themselves so they can tap into that creative genius, or you're the matchmaker who brings these two people into the room together, magic happens. That's a real value. Yeah. It doesn't go in, you know, if you're counting lines and trying to split up splits that way, it may not show up on the ledger, but that yeah. magic wouldn't have been there yep. without that. So there are all kinds of value. That's right. But I'm not very fun. So I try not to ever be the vibe guy. <laughs> what you got to do is just re-examine your association with time and with money. You don't need another job. You need to do something that creates more value that gets you paid more for the time that you do spend on it. You need to leverage your time. And you need to leverage your deals. Leverage. Wow. Mm. Where have oh, we heard that? There's a word. Yeah. yeah. There's a word that's near and dear to our heart. If you don't feel that you have the leverage, then you probably don't. Mm-hmm. So it's best to wait and try to formulate a little bit of a way to create some leverage before you decide to attempt like a deal of some sort. Mm-hmm. For instance, we talked before about how the strategy I did to meet Michael Wagner, mm-hmm. somebody I'm a fanboy of. Yeah. yeah I mean, dude, produce, legendary producer, engineer, a hundred million records sold. Yeah. yeah. The soundtrack of my youth, all the hair band, like love him to death. And I've been in several social situations where he's there that like at a club, not, not like at mm-hmm. a party where I would be introduced or something, but like at a club, mm-hmm. I could have gone up and said, Hey, and shook his hand and just tell him how much I admired him or whatever. But I chose not to. So the first time I did reach out and have a conversation with him, I had, I had a deal for him. You know, yeah. I had some leverage. I had a budget. I had an artist that I think he was going to like. And it was just kind of up to him to decide because he can work with whoever he wants to work with. Right. And, yeah. and that was Jacob Cade. And sure enough, we hit it off. And now I brought him two artists. He thinks of me like that. I, just because I chose to bring value first. He brings me things that aren't problems. This is great. Exactly. (laughs) As opposed to going up to him and saying, hey, man, you work with all these bands. How come you can't give some of them to me to market them? I'm a great marketer. Okay. I'm Michael Wagner. What's your name? Who are you? But I'm thinking about bringing the value first 
before I'm having my hand out going, how can you help me? That changes the outcome. The way that I'm thinking about it changes the outcome. More value means more money and more value means more power. Mm -hmm. Bringing more value into a deal, let's say with a record company, is going to be the difference between a 360 deal and an imprint. Mm -hmm. So we've talked before about... Granger Smith. Yeah. Cody Johnson probably. Cody Johnson, yeah. Yeah. They came in going, no, no, no. I got tons of value now. So, yeah. and, and of course, don't think for a second that they weren't offered like an obnoxious amount of crappy ass 360 deals. Yeah. That was right out of the box for the first three years that they were being pitched. And then they started to get a little bit better. Yeah. And then when they did something that was so freaking undeniable, like Cody Johnson selling 75,000 tickets as an indie artist to sell out the, what is it, Allegiant Center down in down Houston. Yeah. Then they're just like, okay, then somebody's break. Like, give him whatever he wants with him. Like, let's yeah. just, we don't want somebody else to have them. That's yeah. going to be Take bad. Take off without us. Yeah, yeah. That, let's get him on board. Like, whatever he wants, let's do it. So then he bypasses the A&R guys. He bypasses the lawyers. He bypasses all the gatekeepers. And it's him as the president of the company, Alfred Margaritas. And I'm pretty sure it was like, what do you want? Here's what yeah. I want. I, I want to do it this way, this way, this way. I get 50-50. It's a joint venture. Well, the, the leverage shifted from him coming with his cowboy hat in his hand. Mr. Warner Brothers? Yeah. Mr. Brothers? I would really like a record deal. I believe in me, Mrs. Sony. To, hey, I, we love what you do. What can, let's work together. What can we do for you? Right? Yeah. Who's selling who? Yeah. The labels are selling him on them. They're that's competing. Right. The leverage has shifted. And that, yeah, and that's leverage. So, and sometimes the, the only leverage you need is the ability to walk away. Like, yeah, yeah. maybe they can't offer a lot, but I can walk away. Because I got my own thing going. And I'm doing all right. I'm not starving. Well, a lot of people already do this when they go out and buy a car. Mm-hmm. That's one of the first things you learn. Well, you be, just be willing to walk off the lot. Yeah. If you're willing to come back four times, then finally they're going to break. <laughs> yeah. Because the house rules are favored them, right. the finance company. So they're going to move the shells around and do all kinds of crap and do that because they're going to shake you down because they know you want that car. Yeah. But when you walk off the lot five times, I know people that get what they want. Mm-hmm. Because they're bringing leverage. Like, okay, you know, and so they're not, they're, they're, they're not talking about it. They're showing the salesperson. I don't, I don't need this. Right. I want to get it, but you know, you're going to do it my way or we're not going to do it. Yeah. Again, the belief system though, how do you think about that? If your belief is that because you have a lot of talent and in some of your cases, because you believe that you have a lot of talent, Mm -hmm. maybe you're a diamond in the rough, but you're not refined. You really haven't done all the work that you need to do to be the viable competitive songwriter, a viable competitive artist, because there's a lot of work to be done. So you're still whacked out thinking that you're ready when you're not ready. Here's something silly, but think about this. If you want a record deal and you want to do it without leverage, i.e. you've got all the talent, but no audience, no business, you haven't made a penny and you want them to take care of it all. You're promising in your own head to like repay the label's investment with your time. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that freaking weird? Mm -hmm. When I thought about that, that blew my mind. I'm like, no, man, you want to, you want them to be like, oh, this guy's, this girl's value. Mm-hmm. She's the golden goose that lays the golden eggs. We need to take care of her, right? Because yeah. you're bringing the value, but you're not going to get that with just your talent. That's not going to happen until the business starts to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot of talent. Yeah, so, I mean, ignorance is not bliss, people. Ignorance is expensive. 
Yeah. It really is. We've talked about it before. Mindset. We've done some mindset shows, Brent, and we always get people are like rolling their eyes, like, oh, those are the people that they know deep down inside, like that's the problem. Yeah. that they have. They have a crappy mindset and they don't want to change it. We talked several times before in the podcast about the, the lottery winners. They win the lottery. You're five times more likely to go bankrupt after you win a lottery than before. Mm-hmm. And almost all lottery winners are completely broke again, no matter how much they won. After two mm-hmm. years time, there's been multiple TV shows about it. Yeah. It's an astoundingly high percentage of these people that do that. Why? Because their beliefs in money are the reason they don't have money. It, the money wasn't the problem. It right. was the belief. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling yourself that you can't do this and you can't do that because of money, it's your belief system that's getting in the way. John Bon Jovi didn't have any money. He figured out how to get a record deal. <laughs> yeah. Right? Trent Reznor from Nine, Nine Inch, Inch Nails. Nails. He didn't have any money. Like He figured out how to get a record deal. I mean, there's a whole lot of songwriters that are on music row right now came from very poor backgrounds oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. figured out how to make it happen because they just are willing to accept what's coming and, and go with the flow. So I, I got a good talk about mindset, a good question. I think I heard it from uh, Michael Hyatt. So he, he's a speaker, author, coach kind of thing and podcaster and author and everything. And his question is, what does this make possible? I think it's a very valuable question. So maybe you live outside of Nashville. You live out in the middle of the Midwest, right? Now, you could be thinking about what does this not make possible? Well, I can't go down to Music Row every day, and I can't bump into so-and-so, Garth at Starbucks, and I can't blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, what does it make possible? Well, you know what? For one thing, what it makes possible is I'm not living in the Music Row bubble. I'm actually living amongst the fans, Mm-hmm. And I can see what's important to them, how they're living. I can, I had one guy tell me that lives in, in Missouri. He's like, that's a writer. And he makes trips internationally. He's like, I write country songs, but I'm also living them. I'm not going to stop living them just to write them. Cause yeah. he's got his, he goes out fishing. He's got, he lives in a small town in the middle of nowhere and all that stuff. And he's like, I'm not going to stop living a country song just to go write them. I'll make trips in, <laughs> you know? That's right. And so you're like, you, you'd say well, one thing it makes possible is I'm really close to the fans and I can figure out what they want how they're living, what they're talking like, and what the, what their dates consist of instead of being in the music row bubble. And what it makes possible is I'm going to have a little different vibe to my stuff because I'm not in there writing with the same people that everyone else is writing with every day and doing the same thing. I'm going to have a little different flavor. And what does it make possible? Well, when I come into town, I'm like 24-7, all go, no quit, don't have to worry about the wife and the kids, you know, expect me home by dinner time. Like I may be coming in, but I'm like pulling triples. So when yeah. I come in, I'm getting a whole lot more done than I would get in like three weeks of just living there and having to go to work and be tired from work. Like when I come in, I'm all in. Or what does it make possible? Well, I'm going to find the next Toby Keith that's in Oklahoma because I'm close and I'm going to find him. And I'm going to be the frigging biggest songwriter around here. And he's going to ride with me because I'm available. Like I live around here, but I'm going to blow his socks off because I can learn from anywhere and I can get better from anywhere. I can Skype right and I can build my muscles. I'm going to find these whoever this is in Kansas city or in Oklahoma, Tulsa, who's going to blow up and I won't be their, their guy. Right. Cause yeah. they can't break in in Nashville yet. Or as they start to, I won't be the guy that's local. I mean, like for me, one reason I could ride with Aaron Enderlin back in Arkansas and we wrote Monday morning church. She was right with more established people in Nashville. She came home over Christmas break and over summer break. Who's yeah. there to write with me? Yeah. Boom. Cause I lived in Arkansas at the time. And I was good enough to write with. 
So you've done a bunch of work before that, so you could walk through that door and right. add value. Yeah. And you know, granted, she didn't have any cuts at that point either, but she was she was ahead of me. So I, you know, I wasn't wasting her time, but I also had like no competition for her co-writing time when she's in on summer break. Right. 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 Okay. So maybe this artist that's a regional artist, they don't have that, that pro level kind of co-writer or wherever you are that's in that gap beneath it or whatever. And maybe they can't go up to Nashville and write with those people, but you know what? Hey, I'm around. I'd be Huckleberry. Yeah. You start owning that, owning their records, you know, getting on their records and other people in the area and you start building your power base and one pops up and all of a sudden you're the person that was there from day one. That's what that makes possible. What else does it make possible? That's for you to figure out where you are. Right? right off the bat. As soon as you say, I can't do that, change, just interchange it with what does this make possible? And now you're thinking right. about it a different way. And you're starting to examine the belief system. Mm-hmm. You, you may have some beliefs about money that you just haven't thought about. Again, you haven't re-examined them. If you go back and think about them, really, honestly, think about them. You're like, you know what? This is, I really believe now that this is BS. But I still keep behaving in this other way because it's just been ingrained in my head. But I can mm-hmm. change that. Because here's the thing. I mean, here's a big one in the, art, in, the, in the music world, right? Money corrupts artistic endeavors. Mm-hmm. People worry about selling out. Yeah, selling out. But, but, but you know what? Every artist that you know about that changed your life, that made you even want to think about doing this to begin with, was either directly or indirectly needed money to make it happen. You're going to need right. money to make it happen. But just because you don't have that money doesn't mean that it ain't going to happen. Yeah. It just means that you're going to have to get it from somewhere else. And you're going to get it from somewhere else by turning somebody else on who's got money, who wants to invest in somebody like that and making them believe that, that you're working so hard and that you believe so much that they can't help but believe too because you believe. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, how I mean, they do it. We were talking about mistaken beliefs and money is the root of all evils when you hear that's not true. That's that's not even that's a misquote for one thing. The Bible doesn't people think that's in the Bible. That ain't in the Bible. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. In other words, uh-huh. greed is a root of all kinds of evil. And yes, that is true. But money yeah. money's a hammer. It's yeah. a tool. It's what you do with it. It's how is your heart oriented toward it? The Bible didn't say sex is a bad thing either. Within its proper boundaries. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, read the book of Solomon, Song of Solomon. It's a wonderful thing within certain bounds. Same thing, money. It's not money. It's a thing. It doesn't have a moral component to it. It's what your heart brings to it. Maybe you're worried about, oh, you know, the evil one, richest 1%. Well, one thing I hate to tell you, if you're listening to this podcast worldwide, you're part of the evil 1%. Yeah. You're able to listen to this podcast. You're welcome. Congratulations. Sorry. Yeah. One, globally, you're one percenter, and you, so you look like an a hole if you're if you're bashing all the rich people from your smartphone on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like <laughs> yeah, some dude having to walk five miles to get water in Africa is like son of a yeah. Anyway, yeah, reexamine those beliefs. Yeah, money's not a bad thing. It's it's. I mean, tell that to the, the charities that are thankful to get a check so they can go feed some homeless people. That's right. And, and is that I, money I, evil? No, it's a tool. We use it for good things. I know tons of really wealthy people that are absolutely miserable. And I know tons of really, really wealthy people that are super happy and they have a balance. I know rich people that are, there are rich people that are greedy and I know poor people that are greedy. I've yep. been a greedy poor people. Yep. That's right. You know, God's working uh, on it. Doesn't have anything to do with the money. Right. Has no, everything has to do with the money. <laughs> so anyway, that's all I had to say about that, guys. I just want you to rethink this whole thing and know before we got to Warner Brothers as a band, I hadn't painted that part of the picture. I just knew this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I was all in. 
And it went through a lot of different variations before we got on our first tour, which went through some more variations, major, major overhauls before we became attracted to the Allman Brothers. We went through some more like refining and refinements before all of a sudden Warner Brothers was interested. It just is all about like, are you in or are you out and stop mm-hmm talking about why you can't do it. There's ways to do it. For whatever your situation is, there's somebody that came from nothing, right? There's a JK Rowling out there who was like, I was just sitting in a puddle of my own piss in a box, like being homeless with three kids, you know, really feeling sorry for myself. And then I sold my first book and now I'm a billionaire. It's just a mindset, guys. And it's just a belief that you have. So re-examine them. And hey, if, if you need some tools to help you, we are getting our artists in front of people that want to hear them every single day. We put you in front of people who are actually going to listen. Who are they? They're, they're, they're people who like the kind of music that you make. That's what we help you do. We can consult with you on this. Reach out for consultation today. It's info at daredevilproduction.com. Please put consultation in the subject line. It'll get in the right mailbox, info at daredevilproduction.com. And you'd be amazed at what kind of energy you're going to get and what kind of tool set you're going to get after one hour. And you go out into the world and, and you start making a difference. We're just super excited to be there for you. And I always have a good time helping the artists out that do that. So that said, guys, join the client community, subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review and share it with somebody. If it's helping you, this podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing and we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.